English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could talk about adjectives. They are words that describe nouns or pronouns. Do you know what adjectives are? Sarah. Yes, I remember learning about them briefly. Adjectives are words that tell us more about nouns, right? English teacher. That's correct, Sarah. Adjectives provide additional information about the noun they modify. For example, in the sentence the red apple is delicious, red is the adjective because it describes the noun apple. Can you think of any other examples? Sarah. Hmm. How about, the tall building is impressive? English teacher. Excellent. Tall is indeed an adjective in that sentence. Can you think of any other adjectives to describe different objects or people around us? Sarah. Let me think. Oh. The cute puppy is playful. English teacher. Perfect. Cute and playful are both adjectives in that sentence. You're doing great, Sarah. Now, let's move on to something a bit trickier. Adjectives can also compare different things. We have three degrees of comparison. Positive, comparative, and superlative. Do you know what that means? Sarah. I'm not entirely sure. Could you explain it, please? English teacher. Of course. The positive degree is used when we describe one thing or compare two equal things. For example, John is tall. The comparative degree is used when we compare two things. We usually add er to short adjectives or use more before longer adjectives. For example, John is taller than Mike. And the superlative degree is used when we compare more than two things. We usually add s to short adjectives or use most before longer adjectives. For example, John is the tallest person in the room. Sarah. Ah, I see. So, for example, if I want to compare two dogs, I would say, Max is bigger than Bella, right? English teacher. Absolutely. You've got the hang of it. Bigger is the comparative form of the adjective big. And if you wanted to say that Max is the biggest dog in the neighborhood, you would say, Max is the biggest dog. Well done, Sarah. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. Adjectives seem interesting. Are there any special rules we need to know about them? English teacher. Yes, there are a few rules to keep in mind. One important rule is that adjectives usually come before the noun they describe. For example, the blue sky. However, there are exceptions when the adjective comes after the verb to be, like in the sentence she is happy. Another rule is that adjectives do not change their form, regardless of whether the noun they modify is singular or plural. So, we would say two big houses instead of two bigs houses. Sarah. I understand. Adjectives go before the noun most of the time, except when they come after the verb to be. And their form doesn't change with singular or plural nouns. I'll make sure to remember these rules. English teacher. That's right, Sarah. You summarized it perfectly. Now, let's practice a bit more. I'll give you some sentences, and you can tell me which word is the adjective and what it describes. Sarah. Okay, I'm ready. English teacher. Great. Here's the first sentence. 
The happy children are playing in the park. Sarah. The adjective is happy, and it describes the noun children. English teacher. Excellent. Next one. She has a beautiful garden. Sarah. The adjective is beautiful, and it describes the noun garden. English teacher. Perfect. Last one. He is wearing a red shirt. Sarah. The adjective is red, and it describes the noun shirt. English teacher. Wonderful, Sarah. You're doing an amazing job understanding and identifying adjectives. Keep up the good work. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I'm enjoying learning about adjectives. They make sentences more interesting and descriptive. English teacher. I'm glad to hear that, Sarah. Adjectives are indeed an important part of English grammar, and they allow us to express ourselves in a more vivid and engaging way. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Sarah. I will, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue exploring the world of adjectives. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm here to help you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you doing today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm well, thank you. And yourself? English teacher. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could dive into the fascinating world of adjectives. Do you remember what adjectives are? Sarah. Yes, I recall learning a bit about them. Adjectives are words that provide more information about nouns, right? English teacher. That's absolutely right, Sarah. Adjectives give us additional details about the nouns or pronouns they modify. For instance, in the sentence the red apple is delicious, the word red is the adjective because it describes the noun apple. Can you think of any other examples? Sarah. Let me think. How about, the tall building is impressive? English teacher. Excellent choice, Sarah. In that sentence, tall is indeed an adjective. Can you come up with a few more adjectives to describe different objects or people around us? Sarah. Hmm. Oh, I've got one. The cute puppy is playful. English teacher. Wonderful, Sarah. Cute and playful are both adjectives in that sentence. You're doing an excellent job. Now, let's move on to a slightly more complex topic. Adjectives can also be used for comparison. We have three degrees of comparison. Positive, comparative, and superlative. Are you familiar with these? Sarah. I'm not entirely sure. Could you explain them to me, please? English teacher. Of course. The positive degree is used when we describe one thing or compare two equal things. For example, John is tall. The comparative degree is used when we compare two things. We usually add a to short adjectives or use more before longer adjectives. For example, John is taller than Mike. And the superlative degree is used when we compare more than two things. We usually add s to short adjectives or use most before longer adjectives. For example, John is the tallest person in the room. Sarah. Ah, I see. So, if I want to compare two dogs, I would say, Max is bigger than Bella, right? English teacher. Precisely. 
You've grasped the concept, Sarah. Bigger is the comparative form of the adjective big. And if you want to say that Max is the biggest dog in the neighborhood, you would say, Max is the biggest dog. Well done. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. Adjectives seem really interesting. Are there any special rules we should know about them? English teacher. Yes, there are a few rules worth keeping in mind. One important rule is that adjectives typically come before the noun they describe. For instance, the blue sky. However, there are exceptions when the adjective comes after the verb to be, as in the sentence she is happy. Another rule is that adjectives don't change their form, regardless of whether the noun they modify is singular or plural. So, we would say two big houses instead of two bigs houses. Sarah. I understand. Adjectives usually come before the noun, except after the verb to be. And their form remains the same regardless of singular or plural nouns. I'll make sure to remember these rules. English teacher. Well summarized, Sarah. You've got it spot on. Now, let's practice a bit more. I'll give you some sentences, and you can tell me which word is the adjective and what it describes. Sarah. I'm ready, Ems. Johnson. English teacher. Fantastic. Here's the first sentence. The happy children are playing in the park. Sarah. The adjective is happy, and it describes the noun children. English teacher. Excellent job, Sarah. Next one. She has a beautiful garden. Sarah. The adjective is beautiful, and it describes the noun garden. English teacher. Perfect. Last one. He is wearing a red shirt. Sarah. The adjective is red, and it describes the noun shirt. English teacher. Wonderful, Sarah. You're doing an amazing job at understanding and identifying adjectives. Keep up the great work. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I'm really enjoying learning about adjectives. They make sentences more interesting and descriptive. English teacher. I'm glad to hear that, Sarah. Adjectives are indeed an important aspect of English grammar. They allow us to express ourselves in a more vivid and engaging manner. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Sarah. I will, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue exploring the world of adjectives. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? Mark. Good morning, Ems. Davis. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could have a discussion about nouns. Nouns are an essential part of the English language. Do you know what nouns are? Mark. Yes, I remember learning about them. Nouns are words that name people, places, things, or ideas right? English teacher. That's correct, Mark. Nouns are indeed words that represent people, places, things, or ideas. For example, dog, table, and happiness are all nouns. Can you think of any other examples of nouns? Mark. Let me think. Cat, house, 
and love are also nouns, right? English teacher. Absolutely. Those are great examples. Cat, house, and love are all nouns because they represent a specific thing, place, or idea. Now, let's discuss different types of nouns. Have you heard of common and proper nouns? Mark, I've heard the terms before, but I'm not entirely sure what they mean. English teacher, no worries, Mark. I'll explain. A common noun is a general word that represents a person, place, thing, or idea. For example, dog, city, and book are common nouns. On the other hand, a proper noun is the specific name of a person, place, or thing. It is capitalized. Examples of proper nouns include John, London, and Harry Potter. Can you think of any proper nouns? Mark, I think New York, Michael, and Disneyland are proper nouns. English teacher, excellent job, Mark. You're absolutely right. New York, Michael, and Disneyland are proper nouns because they are specific names of a place and person, respectively. Now, let's talk about countable and uncountable nouns. Are you familiar with these terms, Mark? I've heard of them, but I'm not sure about the difference. English teacher, not a problem, Mark. Countable nouns are nouns that can be counted as separate objects. They can be singular or plural. Examples include chair and chairs. Uncountable nouns, on the other hand, cannot be counted as separate objects. They are usually used in the singular form. For instance. Water and information are uncountable nouns. Can you think of any examples of countable and uncountable nouns? Mark, countable noun examples could be book and books, and uncountable noun examples could be milk and advice, right? English teacher, absolutely correct. Mark, you have a good understanding of countable and uncountable nouns. Book and books are countable nouns because you can count them. Whereas milk and advice are uncountable nouns because they cannot be counted as separate objects. Now let's touch upon collective nouns. Have you heard of them, Mark? I'm not familiar with collective nouns. What are they, English teacher? Collective nouns are words that refer to a group of people, animals, or things. Examples of collective nouns are team, herd, and family. They represent a collection of individuals. Can you think of any more examples of collective nouns? Mark, flock, committee, and pack could be examples of collective nouns. English teacher, excellent examples. Mark, flock, committee, and pack are indeed collective nouns. They represent groups of birds, people, and animals, respectively. You're doing a great job. Is there anything else you would like to know about nouns? Mark. I think I have a good understanding of nouns now, Ems. Davis, thank you for explaining everything so clearly. English teacher, you're very welcome, Mark. I'm glad I could help. Understanding nouns is essential for building a strong foundation in English. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Mark, I will, Ems. Davis, thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue learning more about the English language. English teacher, you're doing great, Mark. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher, good morning, Emily. How are you today, Emily? 
Good morning, Ems. Anderson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could focus on verbs. Verbs are an important part of English grammar. Do you know what verbs are? Emily. Yes, I remember learning about them. Verbs are action words that show what someone or something does, right? English teacher. That's correct, Emily. Verbs are words that express actions, states of being, or occurrences. For example, run, eat, and sleep are all verbs. Can you think of any other examples of verbs? Emily. Let me think. Jump, talk, and write are also verbs, right? English teacher. Absolutely. Those are great examples. Jump, talk, and write are all verbs because they describe actions. Now, let's discuss different types of verbs. Have you heard of transitive and intransitive verbs? Emily. I've heard the terms before, but I'm not entirely sure what they mean. English teacher. No worries, Emily. I'll explain. A transitive verb is a verb that requires an object to complete its meaning. For example, in the sentence John ate an apple, the verb ate is transitive because it requires the object apple to make complete sense. On the other hand, an intransitive verb does not require an object. It can stand alone in a sentence. For instance, in the sentence she sleeps peacefully, the verb sleeps is intransitive because it doesn't need an object. Can you think of any examples of transitive and intransitive verbs? Emily. I think throw and catch could be examples of transitive verbs, and laugh and run could be examples of intransitive verbs. English teacher. Excellent job, Emily. You're absolutely right. Throw and catch are transitive verbs because they require objects, while laugh and run are intransitive verbs because they can stand alone without objects. Now, let's talk about linking verbs. Are you familiar with them? Emily. I'm not sure about linking verbs. What are they? English teacher. Linking verbs, also known as copular verbs, connect the subject of a sentence to a word or phrase that describes or identifies it. Instead of showing action, they link the subject to more information. For example, in the sentence she is a doctor, the verb is is a linking verb because it connects the subject she to the description a doctor. Can you think of any examples of linking verbs? Emily. I think be, such as is, am, and are, could be examples of linking verbs. English teacher. Exactly, Emily. Be verbs, such as is, am, and are, are common linking verbs. They connect the subject to a state of being or identity. Great job. Now, let's touch upon auxiliary verbs. Have you heard of them? Emily. I'm not familiar with auxiliary verbs. What are they? English teacher. Auxiliary verbs, also known as helping verbs, work with the main verb to create different verb tenses, moods, voices, or to form questions and negatives. Examples of auxiliary verbs include have, do, and will. They help provide additional information about the main verb. Can you think of any examples of auxiliary verbs? Emily. I think have, such as have seen, do, such as do you. Like, and will, such as will go, could be examples of auxiliary verbs. English teacher. Absolutely correct, Emily. Have, do, and will are all auxiliary verbs. They assist the main verb in expressing different meanings and tenses.
You're doing a great job. Is there anything else you would like to know about verbs? Emily. I think I have a good understanding of verbs now, Ems. Anderson. Thank you for explaining everything so clearly. English teacher. You're very welcome, Emily. I'm glad I could help. Understanding verbs is essential for effective communication in English. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Emily. I will, Ems. Anderson. Thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue learning more about the English language. English teacher. You're doing fantastic, Emily. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could discuss adverbs. Adverbs are an important part of English grammar. Do you know what adverbs are? Alex. Yes, I remember learning about them. Adverbs are words that modify verbs, adjectives, or other adverbs, right? English teacher. That's correct, Alex. Adverbs are indeed words that provide more information about verbs, adjectives, or other adverbs. For example, in the sentence she runs quickly, the adverb quickly describes how she runs. Can you think of any other examples of adverbs? Alex. Let me think. He speaks softly, and they work diligently could be examples of sentences with adverbs. English teacher. Excellent job, Alex. Softly and diligently are indeed adverbs in those sentences. They provide additional information about how he speaks and how they worked. Now, let's discuss different types of adverbs. Have you heard of adverbs of manner, time, place, and frequency? Alex. I've heard of them, but I'm not entirely sure what they mean. English teacher. No worries, Alex. I'll explain. Adverbs of manner describe how an action is done. They often end in lee. For example, in the sentence she sings beautifully, the adverb beautifully describes how she sings. Adverbs of time indicate when an action happens. For instance, in the sentence I will visit tomorrow, the adverb tomorrow tells us when the visit will occur. Adverbs of place indicate where an action happens. In the sentence they are waiting outside, the adverb outside describes where they are waiting. Adverbs of frequency express how often an action occurs. For example, in the sentence he always arrives early, the adverb always tells us the frequency of his early arrivals. Can you think of any examples of adverbs from these categories? Alex. I think carefully could be an adverb of manner, now could be an adverb of time, here could be an adverb of place, and often could be an adverb of frequency. English teacher. Perfect examples, Alex. Carefully is an adverb of manner because it describes how something is done. Now is an adverb of time because it indicates when an action happens. Here is an adverb of place because it describes where something is happening. And often is an adverb of frequency because it expresses how often an action occurs. Now, let's touch upon adverbs of degree. Have you heard of them? Alex. I'm not sure about adverbs of degree. What are they? English teacher. Adverbs of degree indicate the intensity, extent, or level of an action or quality. They modify adjectives or other adverbs and answer questions like how much or to what extent.
For example, in the sentence she is very intelligent, the adverb very modifies the adjective intelligent and shows the degree of intelligence. Can you think of any examples of adverbs of degree? Alex. I think extremely and quite could be examples of adverbs of degree. English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. Extremely and quite are indeed adverbs of degree. They enhance or diminish the intensity of an adjective or another adverb. Great job. Is there anything else you would like to know about adverbs? Alex. I think I have a good understanding of adverbs now, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for explaining everything so clearly. English teacher. You're very welcome, Alex. I'm glad I could help. Understanding adverbs is crucial for expressing actions, qualities, and circumstances in a more precise manner. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Alex. I will, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue learning more about the English language. English teacher. You're doing fantastic, Alex. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Anderson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could discuss the word darling. It's an interesting word that can be used in different ways. Are you familiar with the word darling? Sarah. Yes, I've heard it before, but I'm not sure about its exact meaning or how it is used. English teacher. No worries, Sarah. I'll explain it to you. Darling is a term of endearment often used to express affection or fondness towards someone. It can be used to describe someone you love or care deeply about. For example, a mother may call her child darling as a way to show love. It can also be used between romantic partners or close friends. Sarah. Oh, I see. So, it's like a special word you use to show love or affection towards someone. English teacher. That's right, Sarah. It's a way to express warmth and affection. However, darling can also be used to describe something or someone as charming or delightful. For example, you might say, that little kitten is absolutely darling. In reference to how cute or charming the kitten is. Sarah. So, darling can describe both people and things? English teacher. Yes, exactly. It can be used to describe both. It's a versatile word that can be used to convey different meanings depending on the context. In some cases, darling can also be used sarcastically, to imply a sense of annoyance or frustration. For instance, if someone is being difficult, you might say, Oh, isn't he just a darling? Sarah. That's interesting. It's like the meaning can change depending on the tone or context. English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. The tone and context play a significant role in understanding the intended meaning. It's important to consider the way it is said and the relationship between the speaker and the person being referred to as darling. Sarah. Are there any other similar words or expressions that convey the same meaning? English teacher. Yes, there are other terms of endearment that can be used interchangeably with darling. Some examples include sweetheart, dear, honey, or love. These terms are all used to express affection and can be used in similar ways. Sarah. 
I see. It's good to know that there are different ways to express affection using different words. English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. Language offers us a variety of ways to express emotions and connect with others. It's fascinating how words like darling can hold so much meaning and convey warmth and affection. If you have any more questions or need further examples, feel free to ask. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Anderson. I have a better understanding of the word darling now. It's a lovely word to express affection towards someone. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Language is a beautiful tool, and understanding the nuances of words like darling can enhance our communication. Keep exploring and embracing the richness of the English language. English teacher. Good morning, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could discuss the phrase I love you. It's a powerful expression of affection and care. Are you familiar with this phrase? Alex. Yes, I've heard it before, but I'm not entirely sure about its meaning and when to use it. English teacher. No problem, Alex. I'll explain it to you. I love you is a phrase used to express deep affection and emotional attachment towards someone. It is often used to convey romantic love between partners, but it can also be used to express love towards family members, close friends, or even pets. Alex. So, it's a way to tell someone that you have strong feelings of love and care for them? English teacher. Exactly, Alex. When you say I love you to someone, you are expressing your deep emotions and telling them how much you care about them. It's a way to show your affection and create a strong emotional bond with the person you're speaking to. Alex. Is there a specific time or situation when it's appropriate to say I love you? English teacher. That's a great question, Alex. I love you is typically reserved for close and meaningful relationships. It's commonly said between romantic partners, but it can also be said within families or between very close friends. It's important to consider the nature of your relationship and the level of intimacy before using this phrase. Alex. I understand. It's a phrase that carries a lot of meaning, so it should be used with care and sincerity. English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. It's crucial to mean what you say when expressing love towards someone. It's a powerful statement that can deeply impact the person you're speaking to. Remember to be genuine and consider the emotions of both yourself and the other person. Alex. Are there any alternative ways to express love and affection besides saying I love you? English teacher. Yes, indeed. There are many other ways to show love and affection besides using the exact phrase I love you. Some alternative expressions include I care about you. You mean the world to me. You're very important to me, or I'm grateful to have you in my life. These phrases convey similar sentiments and can be used interchangeably to express love and care. Alex. That's helpful to know. It's nice to have different ways to express my feelings towards someone. English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. Language offers us various ways to convey our emotions and strengthen our relationships. It's important to find the words that resonate with you and feel authentic to the relationship you have with the other person. Alex. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. 
I have a better understanding of how to express love and affection now. It's a meaningful expression that should be used genuinely. English teacher. You're very welcome, Alex. I'm glad I could help. Love is a beautiful and powerful emotion, and expressing it can create strong connections with others. If you have any more questions or need further guidance, feel free to ask. Alex. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I appreciate your guidance. I'll remember the importance of expressing love sincerely and thoughtfully. English teacher. You're doing great, Alex. Embrace the power of love in your relationships and continue to communicate with warmth and sincerity. Let's explore more aspects of the English language together. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you feeling today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm feeling a bit confused and overwhelmed today. There's a lot going on. English teacher. I understand, Sarah. Emotions can be complex and sometimes difficult to navigate. Today, I thought we could discuss different emotions and how to express them in English. Are you familiar with the concept of emotions? Sarah. Yes, I know that emotions are the feelings we experience in different situations. But I'm not sure about the names of all the emotions or how to talk about them. English teacher. That's a good starting point, Sarah. Emotions are indeed the feelings we experience and they play a significant role in our lives. Let's begin by exploring some common emotions. Can you think of any emotions you felt recently? Sarah. Well, I've been happy when I received good news, and I felt sad when I lost my favorite toy. I've also felt angry when my friend broke my pencil. English teacher. Those are excellent examples, Sarah. The emotions you mentioned are happiness, sadness, and anger. These are common emotions that we all experience. Let's delve into them a bit more. When you're happy, you feel joy, satisfaction, or contentment. When you're sad, you feel sorrow, grief, or disappointment. And when you're angry, you feel irritation, frustration, or even rage. Sarah. I see. So, emotions have different names depending on how we feel. English teacher. Exactly. Emotions can be described by different words depending on the intensity and specific feeling you're experiencing. It's important to have a wide range of vocabulary to express our emotions accurately. In addition to happiness, sadness, and anger, there are many other emotions we can talk about. For example, fear, surprise, excitement, love, jealousy, boredom, and so on. Each emotion has its own unique characteristics and ways of being expressed. Sarah, it's interesting to know that there are specific words for each emotion. Sometimes, it's hard to find the right words to describe how I feel. English teacher, it can be challenging, Sarah, but with practice, you'll become more comfortable expressing your emotions. Remember, emotions are a natural part of being human, and it's important to acknowledge and communicate them. Using the appropriate vocabulary can help you express yourself more effectively and connect with others on a deeper level. Sarah. How can I express my emotions in English? Are there specific phrases or sentences I can use? English teacher. Absolutely. There are various ways to express emotions in English. You can use simple phrases like I feel happy slash sad slash angry to directly state your emotions. If you want to explain the reasons behind your emotions, you can say, I feel happy because. 
or I'm sad about. Additionally, you can use adjectives to describe your emotions. For example, I'm extremely excited or I'm slightly anxious. Sarah. That's helpful. It's good to have different options for expressing emotions. I'll try to use these phrases and adjectives to communicate how I feel. English teacher. Wonderful, Sarah. Practice is key, and the more you express your emotions in English, the more comfortable you'll become. Additionally, remember that body language and facial expressions also play a role in conveying emotions. Pay attention to these non-verbal cues as well. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I feel more confident now in talking about my emotions in English. It's an important skill to have. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Understanding and expressing emotions is crucial for effective communication and building meaningful connections. If you have any more questions or want to explore emotions further, feel free to ask. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I appreciate your guidance. I'll continue to practice expressing my emotions and improve my English skills. English teacher. That's the spirit, Sarah. Embrace your emotions, and don't hesitate to express yourself. I'm here to support you in your language learning journey. Let's continue exploring the fascinating world of English together. English teacher. Good morning, Emily. How are you today? Emily. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm feeling a bit nostalgic today. I came across some old photographs and it brought back a lot of memories. English teacher. That's interesting, Emily. Nostalgia is a powerful emotion that often accompanies sentimentality. Today, I thought we could discuss the concept of sentimentality and how it relates to our emotions. Are you familiar with the term sentimentality? Emily. I've heard the word before but I'm not exactly sure what it means or how it's connected to our emotions. English teacher. No problem, Emily. Sentimentality refers to the tendency to be emotionally moved or affected by sentimental or nostalgic feelings. It involves being sentimental or having a sentimental attachment to people, places, events, or objects. It's the deep emotional connection we feel towards something that holds personal significance or evokes strong memories. Emily. So. Sentimentality is about having strong emotional reactions to things that hold personal meaning. English teacher. Exactly, Emily. Sentimentality often involves a deep appreciation for the sentimental value of something. It can be triggered by various factors, such as personal experiences, cherished belongings, or significant events in our lives. It's a way of connecting our emotions to the past and finding meaning in those memories. Emily. That's interesting. I can relate to that. Certain objects or experiences can evoke strong emotions and bring back memories from the past. English teacher. Absolutely, Emily. Sentimentality can be a beautiful and profound experience. It allows us to reflect on our lives, connect with our emotions, and appreciate the significance of certain moments or objects. It adds depth and richness to our lives. Emily. Are there any specific ways to express sentimentality in English? Like phrases or words? English teacher. Yes, indeed. There are various ways to express sentimentality in English. When you want to express nostalgia or the longing for the past, you can use phrases like I feel nostalgic for, or I have a sentimental attachment to. Additionally, 
you can describe your emotions using adjectives like sentimental, emotional, touching, or heartwarming to convey the depth of your feelings. Emily. I see. So, by using these words and phrases, I can better communicate my sentimental emotions in English. English teacher. Absolutely, Emily. It's important to have the vocabulary to express your emotions accurately and effectively. Sentimentality is a beautiful aspect of human experience, and being able to articulate it in English will help you connect with others and share your sentiments. Emily. That's great to know. I'll make sure to incorporate these phrases and words into my English vocabulary. English teacher. That's wonderful, Emily. Practice using these expressions and explore different ways to express your sentimentality. It's a valuable skill that will enhance your ability to connect with others and convey your emotions. Emily. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I appreciate your guidance. I'm excited to explore and express my sentimentality in English. English teacher. You're very welcome, Emily. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Sentimentality is a beautiful part of our emotional lives, and I'm glad we could delve into it today. Let's continue our journey of language learning and emotional exploration together. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could talk about adjectives. They are words that describe nouns or pronouns. Do you know what adjectives are? Sarah. Yes, I remember learning about them briefly. Adjectives are words that tell us more about nouns, right? English teacher. That's correct, Sarah. Adjectives provide additional information about the noun they modify. For example, in the sentence the red apple is delicious, red is the adjective because it describes the noun apple. Can you think of any other examples? Sarah. Hmm. How about, the tall building is impressive. English teacher. Excellent. Tall is indeed an adjective in that sentence. Can you think of any other adjectives to describe different objects or people around us? Sarah. Let me think. Oh. The cute puppy is playful. English teacher. Perfect. Cute and playful are both adjectives in that sentence. You're doing great, Sarah. Now, let's move on to something a bit trickier. Adjectives can also compare different things. We have three degrees of comparison. Positive, comparative, and superlative. Do you know what that means? Sarah. I'm not entirely sure. Could you explain it, please? English teacher. Of course. The positive degree is used when we describe one thing or compare two equal things. For example, John is tall. The comparative degree is used when we compare two things. We usually add er to short adjectives or use more before longer adjectives. For example, John is taller than Mike. And the superlative degree is used when we compare more than two things. We usually add s to short adjectives or use most before longer adjectives. For example, John is the tallest person in the room. Sarah. Ah, uh, I see. So, for example, if I wanted to compare two dogs, I would say, Max is bigger than Bella, right? English teacher. Absolutely. You've got the hang of it. Bigger is the comparative form of the adjective big. And if you wanted to say that Max is the biggest dog in the neighborhood, you would say, 
Max is the biggest dog. Well done, Sarah. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. Adjectives seem interesting. Are there any special rules we need to know about them? English teacher. Yes, there are a few rules to keep in mind. One important rule is that adjectives usually come before the noun they describe. For example, the blue sky. However, there are exceptions when the adjective comes after the verb to be, like in the sentence she is happy. Another rule is that adjectives do not change their form, regardless of whether the noun they modify is singular or plural. So, we would say two big houses instead of two bigs houses. Sarah. I understand. Adjectives go before the noun most of the time, except when they come after the verb to be. And their form doesn't change with singular or plural nouns. I'll make sure to remember these rules. English teacher. That's right, Sarah. You summarized it perfectly. Now, let's practice a bit more. I'll give you some sentences, and you can tell me which word is the adjective and what it describes. Sarah. Okay, I'm ready. English teacher. Great. Here's the first sentence. The happy children are playing in the park. Sarah. The adjective is happy, and it describes the noun children. English teacher. Excellent. Next one. She has a beautiful garden. Sarah. The adjective is beautiful, and it describes the noun garden. English teacher. Perfect. Last one. He is wearing a red shirt. Sarah. The adjective is red, and it describes the noun shirt. English teacher. Wonderful, Sarah. You're doing an amazing job understanding and identifying adjectives. Keep up the good work. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I'm enjoying learning about adjectives. They make sentences more interesting and descriptive. English teacher. I'm glad to hear that, Sarah. Adjectives are indeed an important part of English grammar, and they allow us to express ourselves in a more vivid and engaging way. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Sarah. I will, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue exploring the world of adjectives. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm here to help you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you doing today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm well, thank you. And yourself? English teacher. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could dive into the fascinating world of adjectives. Do you remember what adjectives are? Sarah. Yes, I recall learning a bit about them. Adjectives are words that provide more information about nouns, right? English teacher. That's absolutely right, Sarah. Adjectives give us additional details about the nouns or pronouns they modify. For instance, in the sentence the red apple is delicious, the word red is the adjective because it describes the noun apple. Can you think of any other examples? Sarah. Let me think. How about, the tall building is impressive. English teacher. Excellent choice, Sarah. In that sentence, tall is indeed an adjective. Can you come up with a few more adjectives to describe different objects or people around us? Sarah. Hmm. Oh, I've got one. The cute puppy is playful. English teacher. Wonderful, Sarah. 
Cute and playful are both adjectives in that sentence. You're doing an excellent job. Now, let's move on to a slightly more complex topic. Adjectives can also be used for comparison. We have three degrees of comparison. Positive, comparative, and superlative. Are you familiar with these? Sarah, I'm not entirely sure. Could you explain them to me, please? English teacher, of course. The positive degree is used when we describe one thing or compare two equal things. For example, John is tall. The comparative degree is used when we compare two things. We usually add er to short adjectives or use more before longer adjectives. For example, John is taller than Mike. And the superlative degree is used when we compare more than two things. We usually add s to short adjectives or use most before longer adjectives. For example, John is the tallest person in the room. Sarah, ah,、uh, I see. So, if I want to compare two dogs, I would say Max is bigger than Bella, right? English teacher, precisely. You've grasped the concept, Sarah. Bigger is the comparative form of the adjective big. And if you want to say that Max is the biggest dog in the neighborhood, you would say Max is the biggest dog. Well done, Sarah. Thank you, Ems, Johnson. Adjectives seem really interesting. Are there any special rules we should know about them? English teacher. Yes, there are a few rules worth keeping in mind. One important rule is that adjectives typically come before the noun they describe. For instance, the blue sky. However, there are exceptions when the adjective comes after the verb to be, as in the sentence "she is happy." Another rule is that adjectives don't change their form. Regardless of whether the noun they modify is singular or plural, so we would say two big houses instead of two big houses. Sarah, I understand. Adjectives usually come before the noun, except after the verb to be, and their form remains the same regardless of singular or plural nouns. I'll make sure to remember these rules. English teacher, well summarized, Sarah, you've got it spot on. Now let's practice a bit more. I'll give you some sentences, and you can tell me which word is the adjective and what it describes. Sarah, I'm ready. Ems, Johnson, English teacher, fantastic. Here's the first sentence: The happy children are playing in the park. Sarah, the adjective is happy, and it describes the noun children. English teacher, excellent job, Sarah. Next one: She has a beautiful garden. Sarah, the adjective is beautiful, and it describes the noun garden. English teacher, perfect. Last one, he is wearing a red shirt. Sarah, the adjective is red, and it describes the noun shirt. English teacher, wonderful. Sarah, you're doing an amazing job at understanding and identifying adjectives. Keep up the great work. Sarah, thank you, Ems, Johnson. I'm really enjoying learning about adjectives. They make sentences more interesting and descriptive. English teacher, I'm glad to hear that, Sarah. Adjectives are indeed an important aspect of English grammar. They allow us to express ourselves in a more vivid and engaging manner. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Sarah, I will. Ems, Johnson, thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue exploring the world of adjectives. English teacher, you're very welcome, Sarah.
I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? Mark. Good morning, Ems. Davis. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could have a discussion about nouns. Nouns are an essential part of the English language. Do you know what nouns are? Mark. Yes, I remember learning about them. Nouns are words that name people, places, things, or ideas, right? English teacher. That's correct, Mark. Nouns are indeed words that represent people, places, things, or ideas. For example, dog, table, and happiness are all nouns. Can you think of any other examples of nouns? Mark. Let me think. Cat, house, and love are also nouns, right? English teacher. Absolutely. Those are great examples. Cat, house, and love are all nouns because they represent a specific thing, place, or idea. Now, let's discuss different types of nouns. Have you heard of common and proper nouns? Mark. I've heard the terms before, but I'm not entirely sure what they mean. English teacher. No worries, Mark. I'll explain. A common noun is a general word that represents a person, place, thing, or idea. For example, dog, city, and book are common nouns. On the other hand, a proper noun is the specific name of a person, place, or thing. It is capitalized. Examples of proper nouns include John, London, and Harry Potter. Can you think of any proper nouns? Mark. I think New York, Michael, and Disneyland are proper nouns. English teacher. Excellent job, Mark. You're absolutely right. New York, Michael, and Disneyland are proper nouns because they are specific names of a place and person respectively. Now, let's talk about countable and uncountable nouns. Are you familiar with these terms? Mark. I've heard of them, but I'm not sure about the difference. English teacher. Not a problem, Mark. Countable nouns are nouns that can be counted as separate objects. They can be singular or plural. Examples include chair and chairs. Uncountable nouns, on the other hand, cannot be counted as separate objects. They are usually used in the singular form. For instance, water and information are uncountable nouns. Can you think of any examples of countable and uncountable nouns? Mark. Countable noun examples could be book and books, and uncountable noun examples could be milk and advice, right? English teacher. Absolutely correct, Mark. You have a good understanding of countable and uncountable nouns. Book and books are countable nouns because you can count them, whereas milk and advice are uncountable nouns because they cannot be counted as separate objects. Now, let's touch upon collective nouns. Have you heard of them? Mark. I'm not familiar with collective nouns. What are they? English teacher. Collective nouns are words that refer to a group of people, animals, or things. Examples of collective nouns are team, herd, and family. They represent a collection of individuals. Can you think of any more examples of collective nouns? Mark. Flock, committee, and pack could be examples of collective nouns. English teacher. Excellent examples. Mark. Flock, committee, and pack are indeed collective nouns. They. 
represent groups of birds, people, and animals, respectively. You're doing a great job. Is there anything else you would like to know about nouns? Mark. I think I have a good understanding of nouns now, Ems. Davis. Thank you for explaining everything so clearly. English teacher. You're very welcome, Mark. I'm glad I could help. Understanding nouns is essential for building a strong foundation in English. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Mark. I will, Ems. Davis. Thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue learning more about the English language. English teacher. You're doing great, Mark. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Emily. How are you today? Emily. Good morning, Ems. Anderson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could focus on verbs. Verbs are an important part of English grammar. Do you know what verbs are? Emily. Yes, I remember learning about them. Verbs are action words that show what someone or something does, right? English teacher. That's correct, Emily. Verbs are words that express actions, states of being, or occurrences. For example, run, eat, and sleep are all verbs. Can you think of any other examples of verbs? Emily. Let me think. Jump, talk, and write are also verbs, right? English teacher. Absolutely. Those are great examples. Jump, talk, and write are all verbs because they describe actions. Now, let's discuss different types of verbs. Have you heard of transitive and intransitive verbs? Emily. I've heard the terms before, but I'm not entirely sure what they mean. English teacher. No worries, Emily. I'll explain. A transitive verb is a verb that requires an object to complete its meaning. For example, in the sentence John ate an apple, the verb ate is transitive because it requires the object apple to make complete sense. On the other hand, an intransitive verb does not require an object. It can stand alone in a sentence. For instance, in the sentence she sleeps peacefully, the verb sleeps is intransitive because it doesn't need an object. Can you think of any examples of transitive and intransitive verbs? Emily. I think throw and catch could be examples of transitive verbs, and laugh and run could be examples of intransitive verbs. English teacher. Excellent job, Emily. You're absolutely right. Throw and catch are transitive verbs because they require objects, while laugh and run are intransitive verbs because they can stand alone without objects. Now, let's talk about linking verbs. Are you familiar with them? Emily. I'm not sure about linking verbs. What are they? English teacher. Linking verbs, also known as copular verbs, connect the subject of a sentence to a word or phrase that describes or identifies it. Instead of showing action, they link the subject to more information. For example, in the sentence she is a doctor, the verb is as a linking verb because it connects the subject she to the description a doctor. Can you think of any examples of linking verbs? Emily. I think be, such as is, am, and are, could be examples of linking verbs. English teacher. Exactly, Emily. Be verbs, such as is, am, and are, are common linking verbs. They connect the subject to a state of being or identity.
Great job. Now, let's touch upon auxiliary verbs. Have you heard of them? Emily, I'm not familiar with auxiliary verbs. What are they? English teacher. Auxiliary verbs, also known as helping verbs, work with the main verb to create different verb tenses, moods, voices, or to form questions and negatives. Examples of auxiliary verbs include have, do, and will. They help provide additional information about the main verb. Can you think of any examples of auxiliary verbs? Emily, I think have, such as have seen, do, such as do you. Like, and will, such as will go, could be examples of auxiliary verbs. English teacher, absolutely correct, Emily. Have, do, and will are all auxiliary verbs. They assist the main verb in expressing different meanings and tenses. You're doing a great job. Is there anything else you would like to know about verbs? Emily, I think I have a good understanding of verbs now, Ems. Anderson, thank you for explaining everything so clearly. English teacher, you're very welcome, Emily. I'm glad I could help. Understanding verbs is essential for effective communication in English. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Emily, I will, Ems. Anderson, thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue learning more about the English language. English teacher, you're doing fantastic, Emily. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher, good morning, Alex. How are you today? Alex, good morning, Ems. Johnson, I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher, I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could discuss adverbs. Adverbs are an important part of English grammar. Do you know what adverbs are? Alex, yes, I remember learning about them. Adverbs are words that modify verbs, adjectives, or other adverbs, right? English teacher, that's correct, Alex. Adverbs are indeed words that provide more information about verbs, adjectives, or other adverbs. For example, in the sentence she runs quickly, the adverb quickly describes how she runs. Can you think of any other examples of adverbs? Alex, let me think. He speaks softly, and they worked diligently could be examples of sentences with adverbs. English teacher, excellent job. Alex, softly and diligently are indeed adverbs in those sentences. They provide additional information about how he speaks and how they worked. Now, let's discuss different types of adverbs. Have you heard of adverbs of manner, time, place, and frequency? Alex, I've heard of them, but I'm not entirely sure what they mean. English teacher, no worries, Alex. I'll explain. Adverbs of manner describe how an action is done. They often end in li. For example, in the sentence she sings beautifully, the adverb beautifully describes how she sings. Adverbs of time indicate when an action happens. For instance, in the sentence I will visit tomorrow, the adverb tomorrow tells us when the visit will occur. Adverbs of place indicate where an action happens. In the sentence they are waiting outside, the adverb outside describes where they are waiting. Adverbs of frequency express how often an action occurs. For example, in the sentence he always arrives early, the adverb always tells us the frequency of his early arrivals. 
Can you think of any examples of adverbs from these categories? Alex. I think carefully could be an adverb of manner, now could be an adverb of time, he could be an adverb of place, and often could be an adverb of frequency. English teacher. Perfect examples, Alex. Carefully is an adverb of manner because it describes how something is done. Now is an adverb of time because it indicates when an action happens. Here is an adverb of place because it describes where something is happening. And often is an adverb of frequency because it expresses how often an action occurs. Now, let's touch upon adverbs of degree. Have you heard of them? Alex. I'm not sure about adverbs of degree. What are they? English teacher. Adverbs of degree indicate the intensity, extent, or level of an action or quality. They modify adjectives or other adverbs and answer questions like how much or to what extent. For example, in the sentence she is very intelligent, the adverb very modifies the adjective intelligent and shows the degree of intelligence. Can you think of any examples of adverbs of degree? Alex. I think extremely and quite could be examples of adverbs of degree. English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. Extremely and quite are indeed adverbs of degree. They enhance or diminish the intensity of an adjective or another adverb. Great job. Is there anything else you would like to know about adverbs? Alex. I think I have a good understanding of adverbs now, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for explaining everything so clearly. English teacher. You're very welcome, Alex. I'm glad I could help. Understanding adverbs is crucial for expressing actions, qualities, and circumstances in a more precise manner. If you have any more questions or need further clarification, don't hesitate to ask. Alex. I will, Ems. Johnson. Thank you for your guidance. I'm excited to continue learning more about the English language. English teacher. You're doing fantastic, Alex. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Let's continue our journey together. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Anderson. I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great, thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could discuss the word darling. It's an interesting word that can be used in different ways. Are you familiar with the word darling? Sarah. Yes, I've heard it before, but I'm not sure about its exact meaning or how it is used. English teacher. No worries, Sarah. I'll explain it to you. Darling is a term of endearment often used to express affection or fondness towards someone. It can be used to describe someone you love or care deeply about. For example, a mother may call her child darling as a way to show love. It can also be used between romantic partners or close friends. Sarah. Oh, I see. So, it's like a special word you use to show love or affection towards someone. English teacher. That's right, Sarah. It's a way to express warmth and affection. However, darling can also be used to describe something or someone as charming or delightful. For example, you might say, that little kitten is absolutely darling. In reference to how cute or charming the kitten is. Sarah. So, Darling can describe both people and things. English teacher. Yes, exactly. It can be used to describe both. It's a versatile word that can be used to convey different meanings depending on the context. In some cases, darling can also be used sarcastically, 
to imply a sense of annoyance or frustration. For instance, if someone is being difficult, you might say, Oh, isn't he just a darling? Sarah, that's interesting. It's like the meaning can change depending on the tone or context. English teacher, absolutely, Sarah. The tone and context play a significant role in understanding the intended meaning. It's important to consider the way it is said and the relationship between the speaker and the person being referred to as darling. Sarah, are there any other similar words or expressions that convey the same meaning? English teacher, yes, there are other terms of endearment that can be used interchangeably with darling. Some examples include sweetheart, dear, honey, or love. These terms are all used to express affection and can be used in similar ways. Sarah, I see. It's good to know that there are different ways to express affection using different words. English teacher. Absolutely, Sarah. Language offers us a variety of ways to express emotions and connect with others. It's fascinating how words like darling can hold so much meaning and convey warmth and affection. If you have any more questions or need further examples, feel free to ask. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Anderson. I have a better understanding of the word darling now. It's a lovely word to express affection towards someone. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Language is a beautiful tool, and understanding the nuances of words like darling can enhance our communication. Keep exploring and embracing the richness of the English language. English teacher. Good morning, Alex. How are you today? Alex. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm doing well. Thank you. How about you? English teacher. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Today, I thought we could discuss the phrase I love you. It's a powerful expression of affection and care. Are you familiar with this phrase? Alex. Yes, I've heard it before, but I'm not entirely sure about its meaning and when to use it. English teacher. No problem, Alex. I'll explain it to you. I love you is a phrase used to express deep affection and emotional attachment towards someone. It is often used to convey romantic love between partners, but it can also be used to express love towards family members, close friends, or even pets. Alex. So, it's a way to tell someone that you have strong feelings of love and care for them. English teacher. Exactly, Alex. When you say I love you to someone, you are expressing your deep emotions and telling them how much you care about them. It's a way to show your affection and create a strong emotional bond with the person you're speaking to. Alex. Is there a specific time or situation when it's appropriate to say I love you? English teacher. That's a great question, Alex. I love you is typically reserved for close and meaningful relationships. It's commonly said between romantic partners, but it can also be said within families or between very close friends. It's important to consider the nature of your relationship and the level of intimacy before using this phrase. Alex. I understand. It's a phrase that carries a lot of meaning, so it should be used with care and sincerity. English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. It's crucial to mean what you say when expressing love towards someone. It's a powerful statement that can deeply impact the person you're speaking to. Remember to be genuine and consider the emotions of both yourself and the other person. Alex, are there any alternative ways to express love and affection besides saying I love you? English teacher, yes, indeed. 
There are many other ways to show love and affection besides using the exact phrase I love you. Some alternative expressions include I care about you. You mean the world to me. You're very important to me, or I'm grateful to have you in my life. These phrases convey similar sentiments and can be used interchangeably to express love and care. Alex. That's helpful to know. It's nice to have different ways to express my feelings towards someone. English teacher. Absolutely, Alex. Language offers us various ways to convey our emotions and strengthen our relationships. It's important to find the words that resonate with you and feel authentic to the relationship you have with the other person. Alex. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I have a better understanding of how to express love and affection now. It's a meaningful expression that should be used genuinely. English teacher. You're very welcome, Alex. I'm glad I could help. Love is a beautiful and powerful emotion, and expressing it can create strong connections with others. If you have any more questions or need further guidance, feel free to ask. Alex. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I appreciate your guidance. I'll remember the importance of expressing love sincerely and thoughtfully. English teacher. You're doing great, Alex. Embrace the power of love in your relationships and continue to communicate with warmth and sincerity. Let's explore more aspects of the English language together. English teacher. Good morning, Sarah. How are you feeling today? Sarah. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm feeling a bit confused and overwhelmed today. There's a lot going on. English teacher. I understand, Sarah. Emotions can be complex and sometimes difficult to navigate. Today, I thought we could discuss different emotions and how to express them in English. Are you familiar with the concept of emotions? Sarah. Yes, I know that emotions are the feelings we experience in different situations. But I'm not sure about the names of all the emotions or how to talk about them. English teacher. That's a good starting point, Sarah. Emotions are indeed the feelings we experience, and they play a significant role in our lives. Let's begin by exploring some common emotions. Can you think of any emotions you've felt recently? Sarah. Well, I've been happy when I received good news, and I've felt sad when I lost my favorite toy. I've also felt angry when my friend broke my pencil. English teacher. Those are excellent examples, Sarah. The emotions you mentioned are happiness, sadness, and anger. These are common emotions that we all experience. Let's delve into them a bit more. When you're happy, you feel joy, satisfaction, or contentment. When you're sad, you feel sorrow, grief, or disappointment. And when you're angry, you feel irritation, frustration, or even rage. Sarah. I see. So, emotions have different names depending on how we feel? English teacher. Exactly. Emotions can be described by different words depending on the intensity and specific feeling you're experiencing. It's important to have a wide range of vocabulary to express our emotions accurately. In addition to happiness, sadness, and anger, there are many other emotions we can talk about. For example, fear, surprise, excitement, love, jealousy, boredom, and so on. Each emotion has its own unique characteristics and ways of being expressed. Sarah. It's interesting to know that there are specific words for each emotion. Sometimes, it's hard to find the right words to describe how I feel. English teacher. It can be challenging, Sarah, but with practice, 
you'll become more comfortable expressing your emotions. Remember, emotions are a natural part of being human, and it's important to acknowledge and communicate them. Using the appropriate vocabulary can help you express yourself more effectively and connect with others on a deeper level. Sarah, how can I express my emotions in English? Are there specific phrases or sentences I can use? English teacher, absolutely. There are various ways to express emotions in English. You can use simple phrases like I feel happy slash sad slash angry to directly state your emotions. If you want to explain the reasons behind your emotions, you can say, I feel happy because, or I'm sad about. Additionally, you can use adjectives to describe your emotions. For example, I'm extremely excited or I'm slightly anxious. Sarah, that's helpful. It's good to have different options for expressing emotions. I'll try to use these phrases and adjectives to communicate how I feel. English teacher. Wonderful, Sarah. Practice is key, and the more you express your emotions in English, the more comfortable you'll become. Additionally, remember that body language and facial expressions also play a role in conveying emotions. Pay attention to these non-verbal cues as well. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I feel more confident now in talking about my emotions in English. It's an important skill to have. English teacher. You're very welcome, Sarah. I'm glad I could help. Understanding and expressing emotions is crucial for effective communication and building meaningful connections. If you have any more questions or want to explore emotions further, feel free to ask. Sarah. Thank you, Ems. Johnson. I appreciate your guidance. I'll continue to practice expressing my emotions and improve my English skills. English teacher. That's the spirit, Sarah. Embrace your emotions and don't hesitate to express yourself. I'm here to support you in your language learning journey. Let's continue exploring the fascinating world of English together. English teacher. Good morning, Emily. How are you today? Emily. Good morning, Ems. Johnson. I'm feeling a bit nostalgic today. I came across some old photographs and it brought back a lot of memories. English teacher. That's interesting, Emily. Nostalgia is a powerful emotion that often accompanies sentimentality. Today, I thought we could discuss the concept of sentimentality and how it relates to our emotions. Are you familiar with the term sentimentality? Emily. I've heard the word before, but I'm not exactly sure what it means or how it's connected to our emotions. English teacher. No problem, Emily. Sentimentality refers to the tendency to be emotionally moved or affected by sentimental or nostalgic feelings. It involves being sentimental or having a sentimental attachment to people, places, events, or objects. It's the deep emotional connection we feel towards something that holds personal significance or evokes strong memories. Emily. So, sentimentality is about having strong emotional reactions to things that hold personal meaning? English teacher. Exactly, Emily. Sentimentality often involves a deep appreciation for the sentimental value of something. It can be triggered by various factors, such as personal experiences, cherished belongings, or significant events in our lives. It's a way of connecting our emotions to the past and finding meaning in those memories. Emily. That's interesting. I can relate to that. Certain objects or experiences can evoke strong emotions and bring back memories from the past. English teacher. Absolutely, Emily.
sentimentality can be a beautiful and profound experience. It allows us to reflect on our lives, connect with our emotions, and appreciate the significance of certain moments or objects. It adds depth and richness to our lives. Emily, are there any specific ways to express sentimentality in English? Like phrases or words? English teacher. Yes, indeed. There are various ways to express sentimentality in English. When you want to express nostalgia or the longing for the past, you can use phrases like I feel nostalgic for, or I have a sentimental attachment to. Additionally, you can describe your emotions using adjectives like sentimental, emotional, touching, or heartwarming to convey the depth of your feelings. Emily. I see. So, by using these words and phrases, I can better communicate my sentimental emotions in English. English teacher. Absolutely, Emily. It's important to have the vocabulary to express your emotions accurately and effectively. Sentimentality is a beautiful aspect of human experience, and being able to articulate it in English will help you connect with others and share your sentiments. Emily, that's great to know. I'll make sure to incorporate these phrases and words into my English vocabulary. English teacher, that's wonderful, Emily. Practice using these expressions and explore different ways to express your sentimentality. It's a valuable skill that will enhance your ability to connect with others and convey your emotions. Emily, thank you, Ems, Johnson. I appreciate your guidance. I'm excited to explore and express my sentimentality in English. English teacher, you're very welcome, Emily. I'm here to support you every step of the way. Sentimentality is a beautiful part of our emotional lives, and I'm glad we could delve into it today. Let's continue our journey of language learning and emotional exploration together.